Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The college football playoff has concluded, but the NFL playoffs are about to begin. Plus, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, and more are in full swing. Bet Online has all the up to the second odds, news, and info. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out their Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Joining us this week on State of State, he is a man that, frankly, needs no introduction. He is Penn State legendary linebacker Brandon Short, also currently a member of the Penn State Board of Trustees. Brandon, it is an honor and a privilege to get a chance to speak with you. I got to start off because we're just a few days now from the national championship game, Michigan and Washington. I think we as Penn State fans are like, ah, you know, it's hard to root for Michigan, but still really positive for the Big Ten. Uh, and and certainly puts the Penn State Michigan game into perspective now that we saw how it all played out. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it, I, look, it, as a Penn Stater, it's hard for me to root for Michigan. In my heart of hearts, you know, it, it's difficult. But understanding the big picture and like what it means for the conference, you know, Michigan, you know, winning the national title, and then with Washington, you know, joining the Big Ten next year and actually traveling to Happy Valley, I mean, it's a significant boost and win for the Big Ten and you know, indirectly Penn State. And this has been an interesting week in that, you know, I do want to get to your re-election campaign for the Penn State Board of Trustees, but it's been on social media the last few days, and you were very kind on social media to acknowledge it. Paul Pizlozny is going into the yeah. College Football Hall of Fame, fellow linebacker, an absolute legend of the program. Uh, I'm a, I've gotten to speak yeah. to Paul. I know that Justin uh, knows him very, very intimately. Uh, when you heard the news, uh, what was it like? Have you had a chance to speak to Puz since the news broke? I haven't had a chance to speak with him since it broke, but my heart overflowed with joy. Like Puzz is one of the best linebackers to ever play this game. And it's awesome that he's finally getting the acknowledgement um, that he deserves. He's won the Bigneric twice, won the Buckus Award, had a was in the, the league for like 50 years. Um, he'd probably still be playing too. You know, uh, but um, it's, I'm super excited. I mean, it's such for him personally, for the university, and just to, to be a part of something bigger um, than ourselves, uh, Justin, you you understand, this is just a part of this fraternity to see one of our brothers go in and get that type of acknowledgement. It's like we, we've all been acknowledged, especially like for me personally with a linebacker at Linebacker U. Oh, man, I have to jump in real quick because I think it's a double fraternity. We got the Penn State fraternity, then the Western PA fraternity. That's another part of it where it's like, you know, the Western PA Pittsburgh guys, but like, 
Puzz is definitely one of the fan favorite, and he's one probably the only NFL player that had another in a, another guy cry when he retired because he had that much of an impact as a teammate and setting an example without ever uh, compromising any type of work along the way. So much respect, one of my favorite players. Brandon, one of the reasons that you're joining us today is because we're trying to get the word out about your re-election campaign. For those that don't know, the Penn State Board of Trustees our re election process is beginning soon. Nominations for the annual election process uh, by Penn State alumni begins on January 15th. Alumni are going to yep. receive an email to their email address on file at Penn State or have the opportunity to access the nomination ballot at PennStateVotes.com beginning yep. January 15th. The nomination phase continues until 5 p.m. Eastern, February 25th. And then the election process begins April 10th. Yep. And that will conclude on May 2nd, 2024. PennStateVotes.com is very important. But Brandon, you have served admirably yep. as a board of trustees member. Uh, what is this re-election process brought to mind for you? What are you focusing on? Well, like, like first of all, like the, just being on the board is such a tremendous responsibility. And you know, short of being a husband and a father, it's the most rewarding thing that I do. Like we see the effect that we have on people's lives, like providing an education, providing upward mobility, and seeing how it affects so many people. And and even beyond that, you know, like Penn State, we're one of the largest research institutions in the world. So we like we work with NASA. We have a new polymer called Lying Glass that will probably replace all glass on iPhones. You know, we're like working with curing cancer. There's so many large strategic issues that we deal with. It, it, it's just um, an amazing, amazing uh, and huge responsibility that I'm humbled to be a part of. Um, my, my key focus is, you know, going forward is, you know, affordability. You know, Penn State, it's, it's way too expensive to attend Penn State. You know, we're the second most expensive public school um, in the country. Right, right after University of Pittsburgh, which is related to the state funding, um, our school ranking. I want to work on improving that, improving the, the increasing the size of the endowment, and then supporting athletics. You know, honoring the past and, and you know supporting um, the future. Uh, for more information on Brandon's campaign, go to be short four. That's the number four psu.net. Uh, Justin, as an outsider's perspective. You know, when most people hear it's like, oh, the board of trustees, it's tough to put into perspective. But from your perspective, how valuable is it having someone like Brandon Short on the board of trustees at Penn State? It's extremely valuable when you understand the full structure of college sports or just the college business in general, like decisions are made at different tiers of the university. And obviously we talk about like the president, the board of trustees, like they're making decisions that come down to the athletic director that then get ventured down into the operations of the football teams to support and how the messaging of the university comes out. And if I'm wrong about anything, be sure, please stop me. But it's extremely yeah. important to have someone that understands the full spectrum or the full funnel of operation that's making calls at the top as well. So it's extremely beneficial for someone like be short who has playing experience and business experience to be as, as uh, on the board of trustees. Brandon, it was around springtime last year that you spoke out uh, during that election process 
uh, hoping to see some progress and some change within Penn State University and a, and a huge topic that's come up. And I think it's often looked at as a, a, a dirty word is, oh, NIL, name, image, and likeness. And there's Penn State fans who are, are not necessarily thrilled to have to dish out more money in that respect. But then you hear the way James Franklin talks about competing and staying up to date. And that's not just the football team. That is every sport at Penn State trying to compete in the modern era of athletics. As you see it now, uh, what change is necessary and how can you as a member of the board uh, make that change possible? Well, it, it, initially, you know, the, the Penske community, as you mentioned, uh, we're you know, apprehensive of you know, NIL. It feels like pay to play. And, you know, that's just not in Penn State's DNA. Um, but the, the reality is that over the past few years, there, there has been significant, you know, no change. Happy Valley United has, has come on. And although we were a little bit slow getting out of the blocks, you know, they've started to build a real infrastructure and the community has started um, to embrace it. Um, it, it. It's just another level of where we need um, to be competitive. You know, we, we gotta, if we want to win and we want to be successful, we have to be able to adapt and we have to be forward thinking. And while some of these things don't necessarily sit right. And, you know, the, the reality is this is the way that the system is today. There's no question with NIL transfer portal, all the things that we're seeing right now, that it won't be this in the same form in two to three years, you know, going forward. But we have to be nimble as a community and be able to be at the forefront you know, as that as it um, evolves. And, and, and I think that we're doing that, you know, and, and in terms of the board, there, there is a bifurcation between the university and the, the NIL um, collectives. So the NIL collectives work independently um, of, the universe, of, of the board, but as a board member, you know, I can't donate to the NIL collective, I can't be directly involved, but I can support it, champion it, encourage others to, 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 to contribute. And, and you know, frankly, not just make a donation, you know, receive you no know, return on investment. You, you, you have, you know, um, Drew Allar and, and Nick Singleton, having these guys, these big names, you know, represent your company, you know, that you can more, you can see more business and more return relative to that investment, no different than making advertising dollars. Thinking about your possibilities when you were a player, you know, you just mentioned what Drew Auer and Nick Singleton have at their fingertips. That's just to name a few Penn State football players right now. You know, Abdul yeah. Carter. Abdul Carter is yeah. also doing very well in that department. But thinking back on your playing days, how could NIL have improved your life? Because I think there's some people in modern day, you know, Penn State athletics and in the modern Penn State community that are hung up on the ways of old. And it's like, hey, this is the way things are now. And this is bettering the lives of these young men. When I came to Penn State, you know, I came from a housing project, you know, in the Keysport, Pennsylvania. You know, and, you know, I had no money. And you know, all I had was the, was able to eat like via the scholarship dollars. So I would go to the game and they sold 43 jerseys. And just to so say, call it literally 10,043 jerseys, you know, being sold. But after, after a game, you know, I couldn't afford to take my girlfriend to dinner. She would have to take me to dinner because I had no money. And, you know, that, that, um, that's, that's just not, that's not fair. That's not fair to the players. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not even fair, you know, to, to the university. So, you know, I, 
as much as people are apprehensive, you know, I'm encouraged that players are able to receive some sort of compensation because for, for me, you know, that would, you know, would have been life changing, life altering. I think you made a great point on the NIL, you and Tom, just from the standpoint of messaging and for the fans to understand where it fits. Because, I mean, I heard what you said, be sure not rooting for Michigan. But if you look across the sports landscape, I mean, I deal with a lot of players in high school, transfer portal, just different guys. So I've talked to different collectives at other schools and understanding how they operate, if their pockets are loose, if they're willing to go after players. And I always looked at Michigan as a, a comparable way that they approach NIL. They've just recently kind of ramped up NIL uh, donations to retain players based on winning, right? Like they got to the point where I think there's a mixture of where their fan base was, they had a couple of people that would donate big dollars, but their fan base was typically against it. And actually they aligned with the head coach, like from the standpoint of what he was preaching to the players of like, hey, you're coming here to be a Michigan man. And if something happens, you got to stay there to the point where the players were preaching that, like don't come in here asking for, uh, NIL and Blake Corum, I think, said it earlier this season, and they go on to win the national championship. And now they put out this big fund to raise money. I think they raised like eight million bucks, but to retain players because now it's like yeah. proved it to the fan base. And it's, it's a little bit different of like, hey, we need to get these guys pay high school players versus retaining players that have proved the to be Michigan men. I think. How do you feel Penn State's messaging is on NIL? To the community and their understanding of the actual benefits that it provides. Well, uh, it, it's clearly, you know, to great point on Michigan. You know, Michigan won a national championship this year, obviously. And you know, this I just looked at an article before we uh, we came on here about Michigan and that retention. It was in in September, saying how the NIL made a good program great. And here we're looking at the end of the season with them winning a national title. They retained Blake Corum. They retained two offensive linemen, which was, which is their bread and butter. And now they're sitting in the national title um, and to your to your point about communications look we got to do a better job so it's it's not it's if 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 people aren't understanding and we're still three years in or four years in and, and and people aren't still getting it then we need to adapt and do and do a better job of communicating it to our fan base and helping them see and feel the benefits you know it, it, it this is all new to us we're learning this is an iterative process. Um, it's it, it's the Wild West, you know. Quite frankly, they're, they're, like, I'm speaking for myself and not for Penn State's board. To be clear, but th there will eventually be some guardrails around this because you just can't have no uh, no rules around players getting money. But you know, it, we need to do a better job of communicating. Which you know, I, I hopefully this is a part of that. And and others are out there, you know, doing the same thing, communicating to our, our public that, you know, this is we're still quality kids like we had under Joe Paterno, great, great character people, you know, that will give back to the community that, that you know, say, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, but, you know, it's 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 a different it's a different world. You know, it's the same character, quality of kids, but it's a different environment. And I would be no different. Or, you know, Justin, you would be no different. Puzz would be no different if we were in that situation today. I completely agree. And I think that one thing that we like just in terms of NIL that kind of the whole country missed the boat on is that it's a career development opportunity. Like all these different avenues of dealing with companies, like the business is not a facetious thing. We're like, hey, you're in the business. Like the business is at the forefront. 
So like my the whole thing has always been, hey, approach, I mean, at least the Penn State ecosystem to approach it as a transformational opportunity for the players where they can get career development opportunities, whether it's building siloed brands or different areas around their interests and getting like, I guess, a flow going that way and just selling the transformation more so than the transaction. Because I think it gets when you're in a reactive space and you're trying to catch up, it does become like a transactional thing. Like, hey, we need to get this money in to get these guys here. And like where people have already shown at Penn State to support is that they support the transformation of us coming in as Western PA guys and leaving and you going into the finance world, me working in, in uh, football and all those different things. And now we can expedite that with different opportunities, whether it's for them to build, their, again, I'm saying build their brand, but just different career development opportunities and where money is involved because it can get really, uh, I guess you can get really creative on how you distribute funds and benefit the players because i think the benefit for me like my friends that i speak to at penn state like came in one way and we left a different way based on the transformation and the opportunities that we were given now just putting lighter fluid on what has worked and what has attracted the student athlete to penn state in the nil era just keep it in that transformational bucket and like different components i think that is a message that fans get behind get behind because Yes. I mean, we all approached it like a business versus leaving Penn State and seeing how other schools approached it. But it, I mean, we're not far off of how to capitalize on NIL, I think, from Correct. just a Penn State ecosystem in general. Yeah, we're, we're, two cents on point, we're super close. It's, it's, it's a great point, man, Dan on. We're super close in terms of our ecosystem. Again, Happy Valley United, you know, is gaining steam. Um, and, you know, to, to your point, you know, the separate from NIL collectives, you know, part of the, the investment that we made in the last building was to the fifth quarter to like, helping players with their entrepreneurship skills, career development skills, you know, at, as you mentioned, to sort of augment what they're seeing in the NIL space. So Penn State is still doing things in the, the, the Penn State way, but, you know, adapting to this new um, environment. Absolutely. Brandon, we are, of course, all things Penn State football, and it feels like since the fateful Michigan game. It has just been a roller coaster. And this news cycle with the team is crazy. There's a lot of positive and there's a lot of change. There's a lot of things happening. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz off to Duke, transfer portal, national signing day. I mean, I don't know how James Franklin and his staff have kept up with this stuff. What's your macro perspective on the state of the program right now? I think the program is moving in, in the right direction. Um, you know, like we were heartbroken about our, our losses. You know, we were 10 and two, you know, during the season when we were at full strength. You know, we lost to the national championship champion and a team that didn't lose to anyone else other than the national champion that just happened to be in our conference. And that's that's the reality. And when when I think about like the the program as a whole, you know, I played at Penn State in the late '90s, and we were the number one team in the country for three years going into preseason. When I played at Penn State, I played in one New Year's Six bowl game. You know, we won the Fiesta Bowl versus Texas. I played in one. I've been to six. I mean, to four in the past six years. Just to, like, so if you want to compare apples to apples about where we were and where we are, um, that, that's just, you know, where that's just the data. However, we need to take that next step. 
And, you know, we need to offer, you know, our program, the support that's commensurate with the expectations. So M Michigan athletics, the overall athletic budget in the past five years have outspent Penn State by um, $124 million. That's overall athletic budget. Now, now, and, and in last year, specifically, Ohio State football outspent Penn State by $11.5 million. So you're, we're expected to go out and beat a team that has an operating budget that's $12 million more than ours. So, I mean, it, and it's just to mad. piggyback <laughs> into that, no, 100%, but like when you say the numbers, I, I love the fact that you brought that up, but I, for, I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit for the layman fans to understand what like the operational advantage means. So like when player, like when coaches are going out to recruit across the country and have to fly out of state college, you have to catch a flight out of state college that can get canceled any moment to get all across the country to identify players. When you have this type of institutional alignment, there are other schools that we're competing against. Their assistant coaches are using private planes all the time. So they're jumping on planes, going here, doing these different type of things. You have more staff, staff that are, that are working for lower wages or just or better wages, right? So you're getting better support staff. So if you ever look at just how football operations really come together, there are talented people within there. And then there's just hands on deck to take the load off of the coaches, whether it's mm -hmm. Alabama that has three coaches to one position versus yeah. some schools have one. Like these are competitive advantages where you just throw out money and dollars. Like, yeah, they're spending more money, but like it really comes down to the impact that we see on the field. How much can you yeah. like, cause I think even when you offer the player, like it, we've been talking about where the money goes and like the discrepancy of the player. I think the player and identification comes down to asset val uh, valuation and allocation from the internal team makeup. Yes. You need enough money to get the players that you need, but Every player, every great player is not going to play at Penn State and actually won't make it at Penn State, to be completely honest. It's the same for USC. So it's like identifying the talent that works there and have the infrastructure to build within our ecosystem. And so with that being said, it's like, I mean, it's just like an open, like an open door to continue to move through at this point. I mean, it's a, it's a very opportunistic time. So, so Justin, to your point, uh, I, I just wanted to, to come back to the, that, that, that gap. The gap is currently closing. You know, mm -hmm. like President Ben DePuty and Pat Kraft have been, it's been like night and day. So we, like, while we, we haven't had the success that we've wanted, you know, over the, the long term, because we want to be the national champions, we've been extremely right. more successful than we've been in a, since the 80s, but mm -hmm. we haven't been the national champion. Like, President Ben DePuty and Pat Kraft, there, there is that alignment now. But now, we've only right. had that for, for 18 months to 24 <laughs> months. Right. right. And I and sometimes think I think people just think like, oh, they're getting more money, so they're just spending or paying players. I think people in college football think like more money just means paying players. It's no, it means a smoother operation. It means having staff members that can evaluate the transfer portal and you're paying them a healthy salary to evaluate the transfer portal. So you're targeting the right people that fit within your culture. So when it opens, you're not spending uh, you're not being reactive and spending all your money on a player that's not any, any good. So you're doing all the research up front and then you're making a value proposition on a pick. So there's ways to spend money within the program to have the outputs that you need. It's just a matter of us understanding where the money to flow, because at the end of the day, you still need the capital to come in. But yep. for sure.
and, and another key point is that like Penn State, at least the last the data I received is that was one what Penn State is, I don't know if there, but I believe there's 12 other institutions that have self-funding athletic departments, meaning that all the, the everything in the athletic department is funded by athletics. So no tuition, no student service dollars, no salary dollars are used to fund operations of athletics. And the reality is like football is the main profit driver, but it funds 850 other student athletes and provides them with those, with those opportunities to, to, to create the, the Penn State experience. The thing that's uh, difficult for me, Brandon, and I think difficult for a lot of Penn State fans is to comprehend the fact that there are potentially people on the Penn State Board of Trustees now and people that might look to run to be a part of the Penn State Board of Trustees that are not aligned with that mission of progress and that are looking more towards the past, going to the old ways of thinking. And uh, yeah. that should worry people. I know it worries me. Yeah, I look. I get it. Like we're we're all change averse, and you know we we had the, the greatest coach of all time, and we call it was it was Camelot. You know, like uh, we had the highest graduation rate um, of any school, top twenty five school, with the winningest coach of all time. Um, but if you know Coach Paterno was here, he would have adopted, or he would be left behind. The same. So, there, there, and, and why and why Coach Paterno was so successful through the years is because you know he did adapt. When I came to Penn State, the last, I mean, that that um, Haluba Hall was the first indoor practice facility for any team in the country. The Nittany Apartments were the top like indoor, the top dorms for any team in the country. Uh, last building was the first all football building in the country. At that time, we were the number one team and we had the top recruiting classes in the country. So it, it's 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 a fallacy that, you know, we never, you know, spent or we didn't invest, you know, towards the end, you know, of Coach Paterno's career. We may we may not have, but that was for political reasons that there's no reason to dive into right now. And he's right about James. I mean, about Joe being able to adapt because like my, my he got there, something was new. But when I got there in 05, like me and Derek were the first freshmen that were able to speak to the media and he understood building our brands to promote to the other five stars like look we're playing freshmen and we're not treating them any differently and that really happened because the next year you got a, a class with jared aldrick you got navarro bowman aaron maben aj wallace i mean there's a evan royster like that night class really set up penn state for success i mean all the way up until joe's last days but really it was that first year where he really promoted me and Derek, which was against the grain because we got a little some flack from the older offensive linemen. Like, wait, what are they doing? Like the way that they're putting them out there in the media. But he really wrapped his 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 mind around that. I was like, hey, we're gonna promote these guys and use it as a recruiting tool for the next cycle. So like it it lines perfectly. Like if this was NIL trust, it would be he would have adjusted to that as well. So if we're gonna take a minute to give like a just go back and talk about history. Look, Justin, we're standing on your shoulders. You know, we were going through a very difficult time, you know, in Penn State's history. You know, we we weren't we had losing records. They were trying to get rid of Joe. Um, you and Derek, you, you guys came in and you turned it around. And everything that we're doing now or these guys are doing forward, you're standing on what you did, man. Much love, brother. For that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. That was big time. Thank you. Brandon, I do want to get a couple of thoughts from you here quickly, just on the current team. Uh, Penn State, 
has been more aggressive, it feels, in the transfer portal, at least in terms of reaching out to more people, reaching out to more positions of need, notably getting wide receiver Julian Fleming and offensive lineman Nolan Rucci. Uh, what did you feel about getting Fleming and Rucci? Uh, I mean, super excited. I mean, those were, were two key needs, you know, for the program. Uh, Julian Fleming was, we thought was going to come to Penn State, you know, originally. thought it was, his, I think his girlfriend went to Penn State. It was almost signed, sealed, and delivered. And, you know, he ended up going to Ohio State, but just the welcoming, welcoming him home, you know, he'll be a key part of the offense next year. And Nolan Rucci is, a, you know, he's a legacy. You know, like the, the Rucci family has deep Penn State roots. Um, he was one of the top recruits, I think the top recruit in the state that year. So it's great to see, you know, both of those guys, you know, come home. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited about next year. You know, I'm excited. It looks like Keandre is coming back. You know, Trey Wallace, you know, is healthy, could be one of the top receivers in the country as well. Drew with Andy Kulanicki. Hope I'm not like butchering the guy's name. Man. Don't worry, Justin's been butchering it for weeks. I just say, Andy, what's up, Andy? Coach K, <laughs> Coach K coming in. It, 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 like it, the, the, his hallmark is he adapts his offense to a personnel, and that's just the, 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 the definition of great coaching. Um, I get that the off the that Penn State community is a little skeptical. Like we lost Manny Diaz, and we were the number one defense in the country. So it feels like there's only one way to go. But you know, Tom Allen, you know, I met him and I had a chance to speak with him um, down at the Peach Bowl, and I was super impressed. And like I was impressed with him, his mentality, the way that he, you know, uh, uh, approached coaching. But I'm, I'm more impressed with you know his players and how they love him and support him. You know, Michael Penix, you know, spoke about Tom Allen uh, at the, the national championship press press conference, and you know, in coaching, like. It's about putting them in the right position and making them believe. He he clearly makes can make them believe, and we'll see if he can put us in the right position. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you specifically about the linebackers. Curtis Jacobs is off to the NFL, but you've got Abdul Carter, who had a great freshman year. Uh, I think there's still people that want to see him do even more after his sophomore campaign. Kobe King has really developed into his own. What do you think about uh, the, the guy currently wearing number 11 and, and 41? Oh man, this is it. They're the next, you know, generation of, of linebacker. You, I mean, number eleven, the, the sky's the limit. They they just don't give that number to anyone. They bequeath it to the to the person that they think has that ability, and he has all that and then some. And then Kobe King, one of the things that I liked, you know, he just recently came out and said he's gonna he's gonna be a leader on this team, on this team. And when I spoke with Coach Allen, he said that the linebackers must be a leader, must be the leaders on the team. And I love seeing a middle linebacker step up. But I mean, they're, they're deep. They got Dom DeLuca in that position that, that, that he was the, the highest graded linebacker, you know, in, in the country. You know, Tyler Ellison is, is coming back. I mean, we just got a lot of really good players there. You know, Tony Rojas, that is that it could very easily take over that 11 moniker, you know, at, at any moment. Um, Wiley, I mean, dude, we're, we're deep at that linebacker position. We're deep at O-line and we're deep at DB. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm confident and excited about the future you know, of Penn State. I figured you'd say something about Tyler Elsden, another 43. He's just biased at this point yeah. now. We've had Tyler on the show. He's wonderful. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I do have a bit of a bias towards Tyler, but he's the man. Either way. He's a great, great guy. Um, again, yeah. for those of you interested, go to be short the number four PSU.net to learn about Brandon Short's re-election campaign. And again, the election process for nominees begins as of January 15th. That runs through February 25th. And then the election itself begins April 10th, and that'll run through May 2nd. Go to PennStateVotes.com for more information on that. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have one last message for people that should be considering reelecting you in a few months? Just that, that I love Penn State. You know, Penn State changed my life. And, you know, it's the biggest honor that I've ever had representing Penn State. And I'm just asking for an opportunity to continue representing you and leading Penn State into the future. We are. Penn State. Absolutely. Brandon, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, let us know what you think of the show on social media and check out all of our content on X, Instagram, and TikTok. Search for the handle at State of State Pod. State of State is presented by Bet Online and by Blue White Outfitters. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.